What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Curry.com, WithPara.com, UberLiftDrivers.com. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. So what's up, everybody? Back again for a bonus episode, or another episode, however you want to view it. Um, Today, I have Gail Gordon back on the podcast. We had her last year, just about a year ago. It was October of 2020. Um, Her opera house, her nonprofit opera house in California, was shut down due to AB5. And um, it's quite the story for sure. Um, now a year later, I am having her back on the podcast to catch up and see what's happened over the past year. And I'm glad you're all with us. I know I've been putting out some of this material lately. Um, we've got other things coming up in the podcast futures. I'll, I'll let you know after the interview with Gail. Um, but yeah, um, did anybody see the, uh, Uber Eats, um, I'm sure most of you have seen it, especially if you're working Uber Eats, that uh, they've made the already very weak transparency model they use even less transparent. So now, if you are driving for Uber Eats, you have to do like five runs without pretty much any information. You're getting nothing. You just have to do them. before. Then you'll see the weak transparency orders that they used to show. So what you've been seeing, it's not like after you do the five runs, you're getting real transparency and seeing how much you're going to make fully the tips, everything that you should see. It's that they've taken the weak model of how it has been, what you barely see anyway. And they've said, Hey, you have to do five blind runs and then you can see the weak transparency model that we've been using. So, I mean, just, just every time you think that they can't do something dumber, they do. And I actually had um, Hannibal asking me about this today. Um, I got to tell you guys that a big part of this relates to a podcast that we have coming up on, uh, what is it, December... Uh, oh, wait. Is it... Maybe it is November 29th. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, where I'm going to have um, Sergio on to talk about rideshare. And uh, that's going to be an interesting episode. And we want you guys to join us because, um, well, always join us on the rodeo, but we're going to talk about why some of the things are happening like they are. Because rideshare is in a much better position in many cities than people are giving it credit for. And most people have not been back that are making comments on it. But I have a lot of solidified information from drivers I talk to all the time around the country. And uh, I have Sergio on. And uh, Sergio, if you don't know, Sergio is uh, the um, he's the 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 writer for all the rideshare guy rideshare articles. But they met in an odd way. And um, actually, Sergio used to disagree with Harry when they met. Um, on pretty much everything. And so, oddly, Harry ended up hiring him, and it was under the condition that Sergio would be his own editor and would be able to write everything he wanted without having any anybody stepping in on that. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's wrote um, an article, you know, for for Harry, you know, you, you work with editors there and his team and stuff, 
and uh, this isn't what Sergio does. So, but between Sergio and I, we we I onboarded in 2014 with Rideshare. He came on in 2015, and between us, we've done over 60,000 rides. So we're both right around that 30,000 marker, but between us, we've done over 60,000. So there's a lot to be learned because what's going on right now with this Uber Eats move is if you haven't been following the rideshare portion of Gig, Gig World right now, it's that rideshare, um, the ridership is back up. We all know that. The prices have been back up. They've dropped a little bit. Rideshare drivers are able to make a lot of money right now, even though the rate cards have not changed um, Sergio is going to walk us through because he's been just blasting it lately, and uh, well, I won't even give anything away, but it'll it'll blow you away how much he's making, um, with when he's working, and he gives a lot of tips too. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that one um in a couple weeks. Next week we have uh next Monday or this coming Monday the twenty second, we have Matt Lafferty, um, CEO for Curry, and uh, yeah, Curry. You know, let's take a time out here. Curry guys, um, sign up for Curry. It's in the show notes. Hit the link, sign up, make it an app that is part of your apps. Uh, leave it um, leave it on in the background. You don't even have to open the app. Just leave location services on and uh, message alerts on. Download the app and that's it. Don't even open it. When the rides come through, you'll see them and they pay amazing. And that's about all I got to say. Um, so... Uh, Get signed up with Curry. The link is in the notes. Also, um, also, I've I've got other guests coming up too. Where I've just been going podcast uh, crazy a little bit before the holidays here, and trying to get as many recordings in with some of the people I've wanted to get into this year. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be um, I'll I'll be dropping the whole list of who's coming up when and uh, and what else you can know to expect. We've got moves financial. Um, we've got, uh, you know, the, the piece with Sergio is great. I just did an interview with, uh, delivering with Ellen and, uh, you know, did, did a kind of a deep dive on, on just life with that one. Um, and then I've got some other ones too, that I've just been kind of stockpiling to put out some good content, but hopefully lately, everybody, you've been looking at the content I'm putting out because, we're getting a lot. I'm getting a lot of great feedback um, on the YouTube side, and uh, obviously the podcast is. We have our listenership, and it's awesome, and we love it. And keep on listening. Even some of you YouTubers, you know, check out the podcast. I don't bring them all over. I mean, I'm trying to start, but there's a lot of good stuff out there from the past. You can just scroll through. We've, you know, this is this is our 92nd episode, so um, there's a ton of stuff out there. But what I am putting up on YouTube is a little bit different than what a lot of uh, gig workers are used to seeing. Um, some of it is uh, the kind of stuff that you'd want to see for sure, like the dumpling roundtable and the curry roundtable. I think both those well describe the platforms. Um, but I also have been doing a lot of stuff with AB5, which in fact, um, AB5 on December, what is it? December, December, uh, maybe I had the date wrong, but I think it's December 9th. Um, I am recording a piece with, uh, um, Karen from, um, from the anti, from the no AB five movement on Facebook. Um, she kind of runs the main platform over there and she's going to kind of round out the entire piece that I've been doing. So now I've had, um, at this point I've had people on from both sides and, you know, the heavy hitters from both sides too. I've had Willie Solace, gig worker collective. We had Vina Dubal, um, so we had all those people on the uh, yes AB5 side. On the no, I've had Kim Cavan. I've had Lisa Rothstein. This is my second with Gail Gordon, the opera house, uh, nonprofit opera house owner in California. And uh, then this last piece on the ninth is going to be with an, with one last person who is very, very fluent in um, AB5 language and runs the uh, uh, Freelancers for Freedom, um, which is, you know, to be able to stay independent contractors and not have to W-2 employees. Um, so that's going to be a great one too, but I'll come out with the whole schedule. For today, uh, I want to get into this piece and I'll come back on the other side. Hi, Gail. 
Hey, how are you? <laughs> Good. Um, it, can you pull your camera down a little or is it? You want down like this? Oh, yeah. The is sun was. It, yeah, it was just the top of your head and the sun was coming across it. So it just looked like a shadow. <laughs> it is a shadow. <laughs> no, no. I mean, now it's gone. Is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at I'm not good at setting these up. Okay. No so. worries. <laughs> um, so how are you doing? How's your friend I'm, doing? My friend actually she had a fairly decent outcome. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go over there this afternoon and check on her. Okay. But uh you know, all things considered, not bad. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. So it's not an easy thing. No, but I think it's a pretty good success rate, right? Usually. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, it Absolutely. sucks that it has to be done, but yeah, at least the success rate's pretty high on it. Yeah, they are. So, how's uh, how are things? How's uh, pandemic life been? How's the opera house? I know that you're kind of trying to do some things. <laughs> However, you can. I, I don't know how to word it. So we went to uh, the Broad last night, which is our local theater um, mm-hmm. for Santa Monica. And um, I used to teach at Santa Monica College for over 20 years. And okay. Um, anyway, I helped create the opera program that ultimately went into the Broad in 2008. So it was kind of like coming home for me. Mm-hmm. We are on schedule to do a concert in May. Um, but obviously, it has to be way scaled down. Because I'm not allowed to use symphony orchestra um, more than once a week it, at any particular venue. It's part of AB two two five seven. So you can't you can't even take the fifty two weeks of a year and accumulate three into one week. No, it's per week. Every time I talk about this, I get more mad. Every time I find a different thing that I hear about this, it's like more annoying. And a vocalist, if a vocalist is used, um, she she or he can perform their own music, no problem. But if they're singing somebody else's music without royalties, which is most opera, is public domain, they have to become employees. So unless they write their own opera? Yeah, unless they're doing their own opera, singing their own music, or getting royalties. So what about in but what about in your case, because it's a little bit unique where yeah, she didn't they didn't write it, but it's such old music that you're bringing back around that really nobody else is doing it. I mean and it's still it's still under um the estate of the um of the composer because it's not long enough ago. It's what, 99 years plus whatever, whatever. Um, these people died like in the forties and fifties. So it's just not, it's not public domain. So I pay royalties to the company that, um, that I rent the music from. I pay Mm -hmm. royalties to them, but it doesn't, it doesn't relate to, um, to the, the singer, to the performer. So, yeah, I mean, that's really weird. You know, I, there was a thing that, um, I, I need to look into this on how it's being done because I've actually worked with the venue. It's up in, uh, Marin County. It's called Terrapin Station or Terrapin Crossroads. It's owned by Phil Lesh, the bass player from the Grateful Dead. Oh, and uh, my it's, husband's it's, a deadhead. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and I used to, I used to go to tons of shows and I've actually met right. Phil and stuff and, you know, it's really great venue, but somehow he's taken all the, the people that come through that venue and he's put them under an LLC of some sorts. Like even if they just like Warren Haynes, let's say he comes and plays a show, he's an employee for a day or something. I don't really understand what's going on there. But it was a total to get around AB5. So I'm confused because the business to business clause, mm-hmm. I thought, wasn't usable. Right. So I don't know. I would love to know how he's doing this. I know that I'm the people that I'm going to be working with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's right? going to be a there's going to be a lot of sort of quiet action. I mean, how do, how does the symphony orchestra even get by? Well, if if they belong to a big orchestra, so let's say they're L.A. Phil or L.A. Opera, mm-hmm. um, then they're fine. But with for us, why are they employees? Yeah. Oh, okay. But the people that jump around, right? Or I wonder if somebody who even subs for one night, it you know what what that does for them. Um, mm-hmm. I know that another larger opera company down here is absolutely not even paying attention to it. Okay. A fairly good size. I mean, they're just I've, saying. Yeah, I've talked to I've talked to a few businesses that are just like whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you, you know, I've even like, I'm not saying it in a bad way, but I say like, you know, you could get in trouble for that. And they're like, I don't care. I'm I'm going to do this. And then if I have to, I'll fight it. Right. I don't know what that actually looks like, but I would think that, I don't know. I would think there's a whole slew of attorneys that are ready to take on this junk law. I think so. I know that, I, I think I mentioned to you this to you before, but of the last production I did in 2019, Mm-hmm. I had about 50, 50 performers. They all signed contracts and they were all 1099s. One of the string players filed unemployment. Okay. As me with me as the employer. Oh no. I only paid him $650 for everything. So I didn't know anything about it because it was being sent. I initially I got a, a form from EDD asking me if I wanted to protest it. So, of course, I sent them back the contracts. I sent them back the fact that we did file him with um, with California, with the um, California income tax. And so then I didn't hear anything back for quite a while. And then I get another notice saying that I'm in the rears $25,000. For a six hundred and fifty dollar employee, I had never been getting the information. Was, it, was that a was that a fine? Yeah, that wasn't like you're you're in the rears, meaning like you owe because of something something. It was a fine. Like it was a you fine. Did this and boom. It was a fine. So of so I um I, they had two addresses for me. They had one that went to Numi Opera. Hmm at a different address on my street, but a different address. Okay. So I had never received those forms. Um, Fortunately for me, I got a hold of one of their tax people who explained to me how I go through the system and start deleting and, and basically disclaiming these very, I mean, this was during the pandemic. Nobody's working and that they're incurring fines on top of fines during a time when they know damn well nobody's working but yet they're they're sending millions of dollars to the california penal institutes you knew this right yeah 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 um and out of state people are sent are you know signing up for fake employment unemployment Mm -hmm. so i mean it ended up costing people are stealing unemployment Exactly. I mean, a lot of it's being waste, wasted just by people yes. hacking and stealing, yes. and the the whole thing's been a joke. I'm, I I I I think when we talked the first time, I told you I used to run a couple bars here in Denver, and we yeah. had a lot of live music and stuff, and so I know all the local musicians, and a lot of them went on PUA for a while. And Colorado was one of the first states to get hit big with clawbacks, so they've all been getting these notices saying you owe ten grand. That they have to pay it back? Yeah. What? Yeah, because like one, like one of my friends had two weeks of gigs with a big musician and earned a bunch of money. But the rest of the pandemic, he didn't have but a couple of shows here and there around town. But he was doing a, a like a he had to fill in for somebody that got sick for on a tour on a nationwide tour. And he filled in for two weeks and made a good amount of money. And now they want 10 grand back. But I, this is happening to other people too. Like, there's a article I'll send you later that, and I had the guy on the podcast. There's an um, a functioning autistic Uber driver Ugh. who took, uh, and he's 
and and his and his he lives with his mom but he lives with his mom not because he's autistic he lives with his mom because she can't take care of herself so, so it's just the two so he's taking care of her and what he did was put in i don't know if you i know you've never had to probably deal with uber and the taxes no right so they send you a 1099k and this is changing next year but um the 1099k that they send you the bottom line number says here's what you made but the thing is is you have to take that number and they don't explain this and you have to take that number and then take all the service fees of uber out because what they're saying is this is how much you made because Technically, they're your clients. So anything charged to those clients needs to be you. So he put that total line number Ugh. and they based his state UI on that. And instead Ugh. of giving him the 200 that they gave most gig workers as just the base, they gave him like 700 plus the PUA. He was doing really well. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, he owed $14,000. But because they're like they, you put you put in the wrong number, you put they in. They know they know those are not his direct clients. Yeah, they come through a service. Well, this is the state now doing it. Oh Jesus! And it makes me wonder if the state's just like, well, you entered it wrong, and it's and it's like, well, yeah, but Uber sent. You know, when I get a ten ninety, and I told him when I had him on the podcast, I said this is ridiculous, and it's actually I'll send you the newspaper article, but also the podcast because it's he's a really intelligent guy, really smart. He stayed laser focused for like 45 minutes when wow. we were talking. He's just a really cool guy too. And he was, I mean, he literally was like, you know, all I did was enter what the 1099 case told me to. And I'm like, I know it's a mistake that a lot of people get into. It's just like they can't provide us training videos or safety videos when we sign up because then they cross that, are you an employee thing? Right. But with the 1099K, I think that's different. And I think that's always been a, a big BS marker, you know, like, come on, you you should have to, you should have to deduct those service fees because you're, I understand what they're doing. You know, it's again, trying to protect that employee model, but it's like, not everybody knows to go back and take the stuff out. Most people who have had 1099s in the past, you've had them, you know, yeah. when you have 1099s, you just take that number and put it in. Right. You shouldn't have to do beyond math. No. And Uber, I, I don't understand how Uber, I mean, I don't want to put this on them because I think that none of this would, I mean, this is a whole different situation, but I don't understand how, you know, during all this AB5 confusion pandemic, how is how is it that they're looking at people who, you know, like this, who who are entering the right number, but they're not seeing that Uber isn't giving the, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like Uber should be in a lot of trouble right now for that alone like hey you can't send these people bottom line numbers that they have to adjust they're they're hitting the wrong people yeah the, the, that's what i said a couple podcasts back i said i said this isn't like drug dealing it's not like right. you're getting the little fish and they're going to lead you to the bigger ones right i said right. you're just you're just picking on the little fish that can't help you at all and putting the little guy out of work who needs to be able to support himself because and his mom they're going to be fired right and his mom you know, I mean, he was actually run here in the Denver Post, and then the next day he was run nationwide, even in I think LA Post or LA Times. Good. So yeah, I mean, it was a months back or whatever. But then I had him on. And it was just, it was crazy. You know, he's even said, "I said I, I want to be careful saying this here," and he's like, "That I'm a functioning autistic." I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> and I'm like, "Is is that okay?" He's like, "Yeah, that's what I am." Did you did you watch the Saturday <laughs> Night Live with Elon Musk? Yeah. When he comes out in his when his speech and he says, "I'm probably the first Asperger's person you'll ever know that yeah. will that will uh, host a show, or at least that you've been told." Right. I have a friend who has a kid with Asperger's, and he's actually awesome. And yeah. it doesn't remind me of a lot of the. I know that there's a lot of different levels, but it doesn't even remind me of that. To me, he's just a genius. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I want to you know, be that like, smart. <laughs> It's almost like, give me Asperger's. I'd love to be like that. <laughs> Think of how much we'd get accomplished. <laughs> but I do want to, really what I wanted to hit on was like, so I know you heard the Vena piece and some other people did too. And just like when I've had Willie on, I just do it because I think that 
not enough podcasters and creators on YouTube and stuff do both sides of a thing. Right. Like it's, I could all day long pull in people who agree with me. You know what I mean? That's easy to go out and find people. Hey, do you agree with my views? Yeah. Come on the podcast. But when I do that, I feel like I need to present the other sides on some of these issues. So I bring on the, the willies from gig collective or the Venas. And I know that like some people were like, I got a couple of different criticisms on the Vena one that, you know, Hey, you know, you didn't hit on it hard enough, or you really should have taken her to the ropes. First of all, you and I both know, had I done that, she'd have just hung up the phone. She would have shut down. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if she just said bye. She might just hung up. Right. But I, you know, and then I've had a lot of people who I, who I work with often who were like, no, that was a great first piece since you're doing a follow-up because I didn't really understand AB5. These are people out of California. And I'm like, well, and they're like, and now I do. I'm like, good, because that's what pro X is going to be. Yes. So now that you understand AB5, so that's why I'm happy with the piece. Like, yeah, not the hard questions came out, but at least like it was described in a way where you can understand it. And I even, I'm going to be honest, I don't think it was the greatest job explaining why you should support AB5 on her part. I mean, I was kind of surprised. I thought she was going to be much more, um, you know, like why you should, and it was going to sound good about it, but she actually presented it in a good way. But then when I got to like your example, you know, when I brought up you specifically, cause I'm like, cause she was, I don't know. I can't exactly remember what was happening. We were talking about something and I knew she was just wrong. So I had to use your example because I'm like, all right, well then let's talk about this nonprofit opera house and why the heck this would be affected. And she, and then if you remember, she answered with all these, you know, well, she could be an S corp or a, or a co- cooperative, or I'm like, really? Because Gail's a smart person. She's been in business for many years. And I know other people who are in the same boat who, who can't do that. I, I mean, um, Lisa, uh, is it Rothstein? Lisa Rothstein. Roth- yeah. Lisa Rothstein is an S corp and she still got banged too. So that I didn't understand how Vina didn't understand. That's not a protection. I cannot believe that she didn't know. I think she was just picking at flies to sort of defer, to deflect. Yeah. Because she's a smart woman. Right. I mean, I, I do give her that, you know, and, and I also have said this. I do give her the fact that, you know, God bless her for uh, sticking with her guns, no matter what it takes, you know. But however, the way she the way it gets presented to people, I think, is incorrect. And I think there were a couple errors, and I think she avoided a couple questions, if you noticed. Yes. Um, you know, though, I mean, some people were like, you know, you should have asked her tougher questions. I'm like, go back and listen. I think I did. I just don't think she answered them. She didn't answer a lot of questions where she sort of deflected and went on to something else. But especially, especially in the case of you, I felt yeah. like, you know, you're not giving me what I need here. I need to know why this happened to Gail. And you're saying S Corp or cooperative. And then you moved into all these other reasons on why people need to be in unions or without saying unions, but I mean, kind of alluding to what she sees as the correct path. So when all of this started to come down, one of the things that Lorena Gonzalez was talking about was that we should all become S-Corps and that the state of California would give us the first year for free, the $800 filing fee. Well, none of that ever happened. And if it, and some people did never got their money back, plus the B2B business part of AB5 is not usable. So if I hire a hiring agency, they are they still are my employees. Right. That, that agency, if they bring me, like a contractor for an orchestra, for instance, mm-hmm. typically I pay a contractor a straight fee. Or mm-hmm. a percentage of what the overall value of the symphony is. But I would then become employer for everybody because that B2B ain't happening. Right. They're not allowing it. So here was a feeling I got. I want to know your view on this. Is And I, I, I'm starting to wonder. Um. So Vina's obviously, you know, she has her role at Hastings um, as the professor of law. Um, and like you said, she's a smart person. But 
I honestly felt like in that interview, she was distancing herself from AB5 and trying to make it like, I didn't write AB5 and I looked it up. I'm like, you know, yes, you alone did not. You and 74 other lawyers that were chosen around the country did, but you did. I mean, you can't say you didn't write it when you were one of 75 who did. I felt as though in her saying that because her name is not on the final bill, I mean, if you look up who wrote it and whose input was put into it, I think she was making reference to who wrote the final text. Right. And I know lawyers have their their ways of like, I didn't do it. <laughs> right. But I think also because so much heat ha- was brought upon her initially, I mean, she was doxxed by one of our people who ended up really getting in big trouble for it. Um, but she, we know she helped Gonzalez with the wording. Absolutely. We know, we know she helped put all of those facts together, but ultimately it was Gonzalez and, and the Congress people that she works with that wrote the bill. So I think technically she didn't write it, but she did write it. She did create it. Mm-hmm. She and and the, I absolutely think once it was written, mm-hmm. she was the one who carried it forward almost yep. solo. Yep. So like, if you talk, I mean, that's what I was really confused by. Like when she's like, listen again, I didn't write it. I'm like thinking I could say right now, you were one of 75 who even Wikipedia says, yes, you were one of the 75 drafters of AB five. But not only that, once it was drafted, the other 74 went back to their lives. You were the, or she was the one who, 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 who brought the movement. Yep. I it mean, was, I, she seemed to be making it like, listen, I joined the movement on the side of the workers when I need to. And I was like, that's not how I remember it. And I knew her before AB5. You did. Well, I mean, just through communications. But yes, right. I knew of her and I knew she was starting to get involved in this thing. I knew it from the very beginning when she was getting in. And I and then I saw what she was doing. And now I've seen her kind of backtracking. I Part of me even wonders if she's kind of, even her, if she's like, why did I do this? Career, sure career would, wise. Yeah, I'm sure she would rather not take the heat. But, you know, being an ivory tower liberal is problematic. When you're living in a $2 million home and most of the people that we know are struggling to get by, even if the pandemic hadn't happened, right? these people would still be out of work. You, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, to me, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just, I just didn't get it. Why, why, why can't these people help? Why can't this? I don't know. I, and then when I did bring up your scenario and the fact that she really didn't address it. And then even when she came back around, she couldn't even remember uh, that you were an opera house or whatever. I can't remember how she worded it, but she's like, you know, and then your friend that had the, the opera thing. And in that, for some reason, that made me mad too. I was like, "Don't call it the opera thing." Like, <laughs> so I called it an opera house. You heard me. You know what? Yeah, I said. yeah. So we're <laughs> we're a gypsy company, which which most opera companies don't have their own physical house. Theater companies more typically have their own physical building. Mm-hmm. We don't. We go from venue to venue. Right. Um, stay at maybe one venue more than another venue. But anyway, our we're I, I mentioned this to you before. We're considered a tier four opera company, which means that our income is below hundred thousand dollars. No, sorry, below a million dollars a year, which for normal people sounds like a lot of money. Right. If I put on one show with orchestra, including my singers, um, my manager, stage managers, my contractors. Instrument rentals, instrument cartage, because I have to pay every time somebody needs to schlep his drums, I get to pay for that. He doesn't he doesn't pick up that cost. Or if a harp cartage, I have to pick up that cost. I pay for the costumes, I pay for the makeup people, I pay for the rental of the sheet music. Obviously I pay for the rental of the venue. 
I have to pay for ticket services. They take money off the top. I pay for my PR people. I pay for my um, marketing people. So I make nothing. In fact, I'm usually out of pocket by the end of, of a performance, which is because this is such an important thing to me um, that so if I lose a little bit of money, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's like, you know, that or buying a new pair of shoes. I don't care about the shoes. Right. So um, one performance that runs one week of rehearsal so basically with an orchestra, what happens is you have three rehearsals because they don't necessarily look at their music outside of of um, the beginning rehearsal. Some people do, some people don't. Most people don't. If you're a union um, musician you don't, or union choral, there's nothing that makes you know the music when you come into rehearsal. It's, a, it's expected that you're going to be taught the music in rehearsal which I didn't never got because we were in college. You had to know your music when you walked into a rehearsal, but that's neither here nor there. Then there's two days of going through the music. We have one day of tech, mm -hmm. uh, tech slash dress rehearsal, because I can't afford more than that. And then two performances. So basically we have one week from beginning to end. Right. That one week can cost up to $250,000. So now or pre? Well, now it would be more. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm kind of trying to wonder, like in just a 1919. So this is 1919. Sorry, 2019. Right. The last full performance that I did. Because mm -hmm. then we went into um, AB5 pre-pandemic. We went into AB5. Mm -hmm. Had a board meeting. My board president said to me, so this is when the additional 30% for payroll taxes and insurance I have, I have to have, because if somebody, God forbid, gets hurt, the venue requires insurance. So there's, you know, insurance is already happening. Um, it's the payroll aspect of it, you know, taking out the SDI and all that stuff. That's an additional 30%. So if I can only do one performance a week based on the uh, carve-out section of AB5, which is called AB2257. Right. I'm only allowed to do one performance a week. Where are my ticket sales? <laughs> do I have any ticket sales? Do I have and, anything? And do you do all those by, I'm guessing that you would have to do all those through yourself because you couldn't afford to take the hit from a ticket master or a live well, We nation. do though. We do though. So whatever, whatever venue each venue typically has their own ticket sales company that they work with. Mm -hmm. And so I have to pay a percentage to them. And even if we go outside, let's say it's a, a, a non-union house who doesn't use a specific ticket sale company, I have to because I have to use somebody who's going to deal with the ticket sales outside of me because I have things published. The minute you have a show published in a newspaper, you need to have where they can buy tickets underneath. And it's not going to be some grandma next door to me who's selling tickets for me, picking up the phone and saying, hello, new me opera. Right. You know, people use credit cards. They go directly into. So we have so many levels where money is being exchanged openly. It's not like we're hiding it. We're not getting cash under the table. Right. We work, we're working in the 21st century. So people are going to do things by credit card. People are, you know, they're going to, if we advertise, we have to pay for the advertising costs. You know, anyway, it goes on and on and on. So for me to do one show, if I don't use an orchestra, I can get away with about $100,000. So the additional 30% that would be put on top for payroll, um, just put me, put me out, put right, me of out. Course. A friend of, of mine who's has a company in San Diego tried to do a legitimized an AB five correct performance, and it cost her so much money that she said, "I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it." Aside from the additional hours that we as as founders, CEOs, we do everything. We hire everybody, except if we contract with the orchestra. 
we hire the singers, we hire the conductors. Oh yeah, we also have to pay for people when they stay because I use singers that are international singers and they come from out of town. I have to pay to put them up. I have to pay for their rental cars. I have to pay their agent. You know, it's not like this is just an easy, oh, let's throw together a show and, you know, we're in high school and everybody's having a good time. This is like a thing. So right. the people that we hire are professionals. This gives them an opportunity to perform a professional role. And yes, they get paid very well. Um, so when they talk about minimum wage, it's laughable. Minimum wage is the parking for one day. Right. Or if even. If even, right? Yeah. So my this whole system has been around since probably before Gonzalez was born, where we have regional theater, regional nonprofit, opera companies, um, dance companies. They get their experience. They graduate school. They go to school as a musician, as a dance major, as an instrumentalist major. They get their degrees. They go on to these tier four companies where they get all they get all their experience. Then they start auditioning for the bigger companies. If they're lucky, they'll get a gig with a bigger company. But how long does that bigger company take care of them or use them on stage? Maybe a couple weeks. Then they have to go to another company. Now, let's say we're talking tier one, two companies, you know, like LA Opera, San Francisco Opera. If they're lucky and they get to the Met, they're still only there for maybe a month at the most. They have to get work someplace else. So between ProAct and AB5, this may absolutely kill this type of theater slash music. It's just not going to be able to be feasible. And then they 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 tried to pass this thing SB eight hundred five that uh, supposedly Lorena, uh, Lorena was in favor of initially, but she's also on the appropriations committee. She's chair of appropriations. So Newsom didn't sign it. He rejected it and sent it back to appropriations. All of a sudden, Lorena's saying. We already accounted for payroll. Why should we be doing a state payroll system? We've already accounted for it. We have 50, 50 million, what was it? $50 million set aside for payroll. $50 million set aside for payroll for which right. company? For That's supposed to be for everybody when California has so much money right now. It's just beyond. Yeah, it is just beyond. And, uh, and, and, and that's another thing too, is that, I guess I never even, even after we did our first interview, um, I didn't really understand how on earth you as a, because is it a 501c? C3, yeah. C3, 501c3. Okay, so I didn't understand why this even affects you, your nonprofit. I wonder the same thing myself, but I mean, I, I wish it wouldn't have affected anybody, but you specifically, that's why right. I used you, your example with, right. With Vina was because why would this affect her? I'm a nonprofit. That's I, what I, mean. fall, I fall under the education and, aspect of nonprofits because what we do, we go to the community, community comes to us. We're helping people along on their learning curve. So we're, I mean, double tax in the state of California is not anything new, right? You pay taxes no. during your life. You pay, you pay a death tax. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, it even, my mom has worked with a few 501c3s. And in fact, she was the director for BIBA, which is the Boulder um, Independent Business Alliance. Like really? what they're, you know, they kept like Walmart out of Boulder's kind of the Republic of Boulder. <laughs> It's it's a different world from the rest of Colorado, <laughs> well, but okay. it's a but it's a great town. And uh, she was part of that movement to like really push independent businesses and littler mm -hmm. companies and stuff. And uh, they're five hundred one c three. I mean, like I can't even imagine if they were touched. Boulder would go nuts and not let it happen because they'd be like, "Hey, this this group and these other groups that are nonprofits." 
with the five because from what I know, the five hundred one C three is not easy to acquire. No, I mean that's not just something you just put in an application for, and they're like, okay. Like from what I've from what I understand, there's some digging, there's some research. They want to make sure there's no scamming or anything weird going on. So if you were granted that, I just don't see at all how that affects you. The government stays pretty well on top of us. We have to continually respond to them. They send us, I mean, we have to file yearly whether we make money or not. Um, I pay, which, I'm ge- which I'm guessing you do. Of course. <laughs> right. I mean, I want to I stay, uh, stay in business, you know. I mean, I'm trying to stay in business. I went to an amazing concert last night. And um, there was a critic there from the L.A. Times who was very favorable, favorable to us during our last show because we had done something that nobody was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And I had. Where did I just go? I had mentioned to him that we were doing um, a recital format because the state of California would not allow us to use a full symphony for more than one day. And he said, yes, I'm unfortunately familiar with it. And that was it. Critic for the LA times. I mean, he has no pull on it. Yeah. Right. Well, that, I guess that becomes a big question. Who does have pull on it other than Lorena? Gavin. Right. Well, I mean, but he's not going to do anything. No. I mean, he let people, he let people die their businesses during the pandemic. Oh yeah. I mean like yeah. that should, that should have been a red flag right there. Like, okay, AB five passed, but guess what guys, this pandemic, we did not expect. We need to delay AB five going into effect, which would have allowed more time to dissect it too. But he, he knew he, that was needed. He knew all these people were going to go out of work. So why don't you just put, put a halt on it? For the time when people are unable to go into the office and they can actually work from their homes. He, it's, it's a very interesting. I grew up in a home where my father was a Republican and my mother was a Democrat. So they always figured they canceled each other's votes. My father had this, the old time saying that if you're not a Democrat when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a Republican when you're older, you don't have a brain. So this is I kind of get I kind of I kind of can relate to that. I got to say I'm I'm a centrist. (laughs) I really am. Because I don't want I I don't want to say I'm either, but I kind of can relate to what you're saying there or what he said. I've gotten very conservative in my old age. I mean, I believe in certain social social programs. Absolutely. But I also believe that people should get off their asses and work. I'm allowed to say. (laughs) Yeah, you are. I've been working (laughs) since I was 17. Actually, no, my first I cleaned my first toilet when I was 15. Right. So, I mean, you know, this is what people do. This is, yep. this is the normalcy. So when I, when I see this guy who's got slick back hair, grew up with money, has mm-hmm. her kids in private school. So money has no meaning to him because he's never really had to earn it. Giving it away. And then the very people who need the ability to work, taking care of their moms, children at home, children that have disabilities at home, the very, mon- the very people that he's giving money to, all they're asking is leave us some pride, allow us to work, and don't take the ability of us to work away during this time period. Reassess it when things get back to normal. My husband's in the restaurant or was in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. He closed the restaurants with no sign. I've been in that data. for years. So I got to say that's, I already know what a tough business that is without this kind of crap. I mean, with no scientific data, he closed restaurants. If a restaurant was fortunate enough to have its own parking lot, mm-hmm. they were able to get by because then they could build outside. And a lot of cities were very helpful in helping to create lanes where parking cars would normally park and set up little booths so people could actually come and eat and there'd be some money. 
Not so with my husband's restaurants. No, 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 there was no parking. So, and now he has to pay back his PPPs or whatever it is. Right. You know, I watched Joe Rogan yesterday say he was talking about just a sidetrack. He was talking about, uh, you know, you, you know, all these COVID max uh, mandates and all this, that, and the other. And he was saying, somebody, somebody asked him back, his guest asked him back, you know, well, you know, what, you know, how, you know, like, well, we need the COVID mandates and checks and vaccines. And he goes, listen, I don't care what anybody does. He goes, but there's an easy way to get past all that. He goes, just fly to Mexico and walk back across the border and you won't have to have a mandate. Which I thought was just hysterical, I got to say, because I was like, I know it's a joke and I know he's a comedian on top of being his podcaster, but I was like, made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like every, nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing Nothing does. Nothing. No, there's there's no normalcy. Everything is everything is slanted. So much shit is made up. So many people have ideas and fear propaganda and fear. So much fear. One last question that I have for you that I just have to I have to know is so if based on what because we're going to be doing a follow up with with or I am with with Vina and I'm going to talk about the pro act and the unions. And the reason we split it into two, believe it or not, she actually had been very sick and she postponed our meeting a week the first time. So when we finally got to it, she was still sick. Oh. Um, so I said, okay, well, I said, she goes, I'll do my best to try and get through this. So I said, okay, well, if we get to like an hour, I'll end it. And if we didn't cover everything, can we, can we go back to it? And that's why I made sure to say it on the podcast too, so other people would hear it. But we didn't get to proact and we didn't because my questions on proact were a little rougher and unions. And then now it's allowed me sometimes to, to time to go back to my notes that I had for her um, and questions and go back. And after we go through those two parts, use the rest of the time to ask her questions. Cause she was using things like, you know, like 30% of app based gig workers are full time. First of all, no, they're not. Well, she said that in, she said that in our interview. Yeah, no, no, I understand, but but no. we already know it's yeah, we know it's like twelve to fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. So I was like, even if you're getting data from a different place than me, it's not that skewed. You're not seeing thirty percent anywhere. So I don't know what you're talking about. So like that just kind of went by. So I'm gonna go back and readdress some of those. And one of the things I'm gonna readdress is the you situation. I'm gonna kind of make her answer it or ask her very politely. Could you know, can we please like actually address this? I don't know. I'm going to have to work on my wording, <laughs> but, no, I, I print- but how would, how would you, how, if you, if you were on that call with us mm-hmm. and you were, you were able to speak during the call and I asked her that same question again, and she gave that same kind of answer. What, how would you come in and what would you say to that? So based on the legislation that's current, we basically are unable to function unless we can afford to function. So a system that has worked for well over 50 years of these small companies existing, producing the arts, the creative people, giving people opportunities to perform, paying them well in order for them to perform, will no longer be able to exist. So what they've done in their ferocity of going after the app-based um, companies, the tuna, the little baby tunas that got or that got caught in the net um, will die. And it doesn't seem that they care. They're so intent on being right, being right about this unionization of things that do not need to be unionized, about the moms at home, about mom and pop businesses who have gone out of business, only the big corporations will be left. Right. Is that what they want? Was that their intent? Because to me, I'm all about mom and pops. I don't shop at Ralph's. I shop at my corner store that's owned by one person. Right. I only go to Rite Aid because they have my prescriptions. Right. But I go out of my way 
to give my money to somebody other than Amazon. Sure. Um, you know, that's how we take care of each other. They have made it literally impossible for the mom and pops, arts organizations, small businesses, anything to survive. Caretakers. Mm-hmm. Who's when my my mom was sick for two years, I was there every single day. If I hadn't had a nighttime job teaching at night, how would I have survived and be there to be able to take care of my mom? Most people have daytime jobs right. and children and take care of their elderly parents. So I, go okay. ahead. Well, here's my here's my last follow-up to the question then. Please. So if Given now what we've seen, what I've seen, you're in California, so I'm very interested to hear what you say. What this is two parts. What is the has the unions even grown? Because I don't think they have. No. This was all not. to help the unions, and I don't think it's helped them at all. Number two, um, how many jobs has AB5 created? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking, but are, is it truly zero? Is it really zero? Or are there some little sex that got. I'm not aware of any. I mean, I can't find any, I'm not kidding. Exactly. I know you just said zero, but I can't find any jobs that were right. created because of AB five. No jobs were killed, not created. We, right. We know that, but yeah. I'm saying they're pushing that AB five was going to help create employment. And I don't see that it's happened at all. One quick question that I would love for you maybe to be able to ask her is why why is part of the music industry carved out and not classical music musicians why are classical musicians taking it in the shorts okay yeah I wasn't even aware that was happening that's just another thing whenever I hear all this stuff so theater actors dance companies, Mm -hmm. all anything that's remotely in the classical arts has not been even addressed. I mean, and there's such, there's such small language that could be changed to give us the freedom to survive more than one performance a week at the same venue. It costs a fortune for us to get up and move around from place to place. Once we've started a show. Sure. Um, it just, anyway, it's all. Yeah, great. like music should have been music. First yes. of all, this never should have even happened. You know, I mean, Agreed. all of this never should have happened because, and it's very apparent to the listeners listening right now. I know we've talked about this a lot and, you know, Vina was just a few weeks ago, but to honestly, to, to the people who are listening that know this, you know, obviously a bill like AB5 that had to go back and have 100,000 carve outs and still didn't get everybody that needed it carved out was not a bill that ever should have been passed into law. People should have known from the get-go, this is a junk bill. It needs to be redone because obviously AB 2257 was proof of that. You know, anesthesiologists, interpreters, this, that, the they all had to be carved out. And then it's still, and it's still left, you know, like the, okay, well now we're cute carving music out. But now, and and I hear about new things all the time. You just informed me that classical music wasn't carved out. I didn't know that. Right. Like, I thought music was carved out. Well, classical music is music. What's going on? Because there was this one gentleman, Ari Herstad, I believe is his last name. Okay. He, He was very proactive. And he put together, he basically became a lobbyist. Um during 2019 so and to into early 2020 so he was able to exact a carve out classical musicians we just he didn't represent us which okay whatever i mean i don't to me if one person is not represented then none of the group should be represented but that's exactly I am not it because I got mine doesn't mean that okay I got mine you have to worry about you no right it should be all it should be everyone if you're going to be a true socialist you take care of everybody right yeah I don't I I don't know I I just don't see how I figured by the time maybe a year ago when you and I first met 
that by now this would have all been cleaned up. Right. And it seems like nothing's cleaned up. And in fact, maybe even things are worse. Things are worse. When, um, you know, Gavin just signed a bill about, and I don't remember which union it was, that when he was mandated that everyone be, everyone have um, vaccinations, right. there was one union, and I can't remember if it was the oil workers union or something like that, that has a big state in the, stake in the state of California, that he had to sign something saying that they didn't have to mandate their workers be vaccinated. So what I would like to do is send you copies of the bills that directly affect classical musicians. I'll just email them to you. Yeah, that'd be great. And I'll highlight the the sections that... Because I will ask her that. Because another question, like I said with you, is that, you know, I want to know, I want to know how many jobs were created. That's a big deal to me. It is a big deal. My guess is, is that it won't be answered or it'll be walked around or it'll be, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not trying to put a bad vibe out there, but I don't know. But I felt like she, if I were to guess, I feel like she's trying to distance herself at this point from AB5. I would if I were she. <laughs> right. I mean, as much as it seemed like that was her path to what she was all about, I feel like now she's like, listen, I didn't write it. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I'm like, you're really defensive for this AB5 thing that we all know you were very involved in. Yeah. You can't say that. I mean, I don't know. You just can't say that like, well, I didn't really have anything to do with it. Well, we can, I have, a, I have the internet at my house, Vina. You know, I can look it up. You did. You know, you had a lot to do with it and the movements that, that followed. Right. So, um, yeah, please send it to me. And, uh, and, uh, I really want to thank you for coming on again. If you, if when we sign off here, uh, if you could wait one minute, I just want to, okay. I want to turn off the recording. I want to, I want to ask you, I want to ask you one thing, but, um, of course, thank you for coming on today. Gail. Thank that you. Was, yeah. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, this will, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to play this, but I think that I can play this after I do the follow-up with Vina. Okay. Cause I think that if I do this out of order, this could make her maybe per- perhaps cause other people were like, why didn't you go so hard on her? I'm like, cause I would have never got the first interview or I would have never got the follow-up. Wouldn't have happened. Right. So I think that I did it in the right order and I'm going to keep doing that, but I'm, this is going to play and I'm going to, and I'm going to bring up some things. I'm going to readdress yours. I think addressing one specific situation with her is good because otherwise she overviews too well. So thank you again for coming on. And Thank you for having me. Okay. One minute. Okay, guys. So um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, hopefully if you listen to the whole thing, you you really understand how far AB5 has taken this stuff. I mean, you know, you hear me talk about this a lot, and I feel like I've really opened some people's eyes. Um, I'm not. I'm not trying to view something and and make my guess on the situation. I have talked with the best in the business on both sides of the uh, of this controversy of this law. Um, I understand how far it stretches, how many states it's looking to affect. I mean, for God's sake, it's 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 going after the pro act it's going to over it's trying to overturn right to work states um so it's pretty amazing stuff you guys um i will stay as heavy in the loop as i need to um and as as i can and i have great connections now so when i do a piece on ab5 after the piece i do with karen in december after that piece i'll kind of put it to rest until we get near some voting because I'm sure that it's going to be on the ballot to repeal AB5 in California next year. So as the voting comes a little closer, we'll be talking for sure. And if PROAC gets any closer, we'll be talking for sure. But I'm going to close out all of the AB5 stuff that I've done. And then I'll just do some updates um, here and there as needed. But the last piece we're going to do is with Karen and uh, she is just a wealth of knowledge. So we're even at looking at doing that one as a live stream um 
some thought going into that because I am going to start doing some live streams. I know that a lot of people have um, asked about, you know, the news and could I do another podcast that does the news like I used to do all the time and then interviews. But the guests have just grown, guys. So it's it's hard to um, to not take advantage of having these guests on the show and, and really, you know, getting into it with them. So at the same time, I mean, the 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 growth and feedback on, on the show itself has been amazing. And I thank all of you for listening. Um, you guys are why I do it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share my experiences. I'm happy to talk to people that are hard to talk to about, um, tough issues. And, um, those who know me, you all know that I talk about both sides. Um, I'm sure that you can, if you've been listening for a while, I'm sure you can read as to which side I am. And I'll just say it, I'm an independent contractor for life. And I will always stand by that. I don't think that's something that should be removed. If there's options available and the companies want to present those where you can be an employee or an independent contractor, that's fine as long as it doesn't affect my option to be an independent contractor. Do I think that'll happen on the gig platforms? Not so much because if it becomes forced, they will have to move to a franchise model and schedule and, and there won't be any flexibility. And you, if again, I've said this before, if people are telling you there will be, show me one company in the world that lets you go to work when you want. I will save you some time. There isn't one. So that said, um, we got some great stuff coming up. I know the holidays uh, get a little crazy. Um, and... Uh, so I'm going to try and drop some bonus episodes too. You know, we'll do some deep dives on the Tuesday one like we always do. And then I'm going to just have some special ones coming out that are just a little more light and fun and uh, talking with fellow drivers and things of that nature through it. Just let's get through this year. Um, and uh, yeah, this so all of December is going to be looking good. The rest of this month is looking good. So stay tuned with Rodeo and... Uh, We'll keep you up to date. That said, um, thank you to uh, Curry. Uh, get signed up through the show notes. Thank you to Para and and my team over there. Um, and uh, thank you to UberLiftDrivers.com. People be going there to get your news. I am redesigning the website um, a little more. I mean, I've already done some tweaks, but w- there's going to be some new additional pages. It's going to it's going to be interesting. So, I'll let you know when that launches. I w- I would love it if it happens before New Year's um fully completed, but we'll see. Um always evolving here, always evolving. So, go out there and uh spin some good into the rest of this weekend and we will see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.